Welcome to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with the spreading of discontent as we pick up in Numbers chapter 11, verse 4. And now, with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. It's tragic, the things that the churches are doing today to entertain people, appealing to their flesh, the very thing that God abhors. My old flesh nature, my old flesh life. And as they spread the discontent among the camp of Israel, all of the Israelites began to stand in the tent doors weeping as Moses passed through, heard all this wailing and weeping by these people. And Moses came in before the Lord, and he was, he was really upset. Moses heard the people, verse 10, weep throughout their families, every man in the door of his tent. The anger of the Lord was kindled greatly, and Moses also was displeased. And Moses said unto the Lord, Wherefore hast thou afflicted thy servant, and wherefore have I not found favor in thy sight, that thou layest the burden of all these people upon me? Have I conceived all these people? Have I begotten them that thou should say unto me, Carry them in thy bosom as a nursing father bears a sucking child into the land which you swear to their fathers? Where am I going to get flesh to give to all these people? For they weep unto me, saying, Give us flesh that we may eat. Lord, I can't take it. I'm not able to bear all this people alone. It's too heavy for me. And if you're going to deal thus with me, just kill me. Wipe me out, Lord. I'm through. I've had it. I'd rather be dead. Man, he really was at the end of his rope. But imagine walking through the camp and the people crying, give us flesh to eat. Well, said, where am I going to get flesh to feed them? Ridiculous people. Lord, I can't take it. I can't stand it anymore. They're not my kids. I didn't conceive them. Why are you laying them on me? The burden's too heavy, Lord. I can't carry it anymore. I'm through. If, you, if this is what you want, then wipe me out. I've had it. <laughs> and so the Lord said unto Moses, Gather me 70 men of the elders of Israel, whom you know to be the elders of the people and officers over them, and bring them unto the tabernacle of the congregation that they may stand there with thee. And I will come down and talk with thee. And I will take of the spirit which is upon thee and will put it upon them. And they shall bear the burden of the people with thee that you not bear it thyself alone. And say thou unto the people, Sanctify yourselves against the morrow. And ye shall eat flesh, for ye have wept in the ears of the Lord, saying, Who shall give us flesh to eat? For it was well with us in Egypt. Therefore the Lord will give you flesh, and ye shall eat. But you'll not eat for one day or two or five or ten or twenty, but flesh for thirty days until it comes out of your nostrils, until it comes out of your ears, until it becomes loathsome to you. My wife thinks that God might be a choleric in his reaction to the people's desire for flesh here. Ah, you want flesh? All right. 
And Moses said, Lord, how in the world are we going to give him that, that much flesh to eat? Do you want us to kill all of the cattle and all of the flocks to feed these people? Lord, are you, you going to just empty the sea of fish and lay them all here? How are you going to do that, Lord? Why, why should I go tell him that? How, how are you going to do it? And the Lord said, hey, is the Lord's arm waxed short? Hey, that's a good question. Is the Lord's arm waxed short? How big is your God? Isn't it interesting that so many times we do limit God to our own mental capacities? I'm always trying to help God figure out his program so that I can advise him <laughs> on the best way to do things. And so often, I know what God wants to do overall. How's he going to do it? Well, I don't know. Well, if he did this and this and this, then it could happen maybe. So I got it all figured out now in my mind how God ought to work. So my prayers now become direction prayers instead of direct prayers. And I'm giving God directions on how to do his business. But the problem is he doesn't always follow my directions. And then I get upset and I say, Lord, what's the matter here? Can't you see? That's the wrong way to do it. Why aren't you listening to me, Lord? And he responds, my ways are not your ways, saith the Lord. My ways are beyond your finding out. And yet I'm always trying to find them out. I'm always seeking to know the unknowable. Always trying to figure out how God can do his business. Because as long as I can figure out how God can do his business, I can rest fairly comfortable. It's only when I can't figure out how God's going to do his business anymore that I really get shook. If I can't figure it out, how can God? <laughs> I don't see any way it could ever happen, you know, and I get despairing and discouraged and... You know, through I've had it. I don't see how it could ever happen. Well, it isn't necessary that I see how it can happen. It's only necessary that I know it's going to happen because God said it's going to happen and his word can't fail. But how is he going to do it? I don't know. If I could only realize it, that's not my problem. I don't always realize that, though. And thus I, I carry this burden of trying to figure out the ways of God. God said, hey, is my hand waxed short, Moses? I said I'm going to do it. Now you go out and tell them I'm going to do it. Don't have to worry about the processes. Is my hand waxed short? Is the arm of the Lord waxed short? No way. So Moses gathered together the 70 men of the elders of Israel, and they gathered into the tabernacle, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon these 70 men. And they began to prophesy. That is, they began to speak forth the word of the Lord. Prophecy is not always predictive. The New Testament gift of prophecy is not necessarily predictive. It can be predictive, but for the most part, it is just speaking forth the word of the Lord to the church for edification, for comfort, for exhortation. It can have a predictive element 
to it as Agabus took, his, took Paul's girdle and bound himself and so is, said, so is the man who owns this girdle to be bound when he goes to Jerusalem. Predictive element. And whenever God speaks, there always can be a predictive element because God does know the future. And in those prophecies where there is a predictive element, it's an easy way to test the prophecy to find out if it were really from God because if it comes to pass, then it was God speaking. If it doesn't come to pass, then God didn't speak. But it is speaking forth God's word. And so these men began to prophesy. Now, there were two of the elders who did not come into the tabernacle. They were still out in the camp, but the Spirit of God came on them out in the camp, and they began to prophesy in the camp. And some young fellow came running into Moses and said, Moses, Eldad and, and Medad are out there in the camp prophesying. They're not in the tabernacle here. And Joshua said unto Moses in verse 28, he said, For my Lord Moses, forbid them. And Moses said, Are you envious for my sake? Hey, I wish that every one of them were prophets and the Spirit of God was upon them all. Oh, he, he would like to see God's Spirit fall on the entire camp of Israel. It would make his job so much easier if they were all walking in the Spirit. He could foresee how glorious it would be if the whole company of God were walking in the Spirit. Now the prophets did foresee that day. It shall come to pass, saith the Lord, in the last days I'll pour out my Spirit upon all flesh. In the Old Testament, it was limited. Certain men at certain times had the anointing of the Spirit upon their lives. Within the camp of Israel, it was limited to the 70 men. Would to God His Spirit were upon them all. In the Old Testament period, the Spirit of God was with them, but Jesus said that I'll pray the Father. He'll give you another comforter, even the Spirit of truth, that He may abide with you forever, whom the world cannot receive, for it seeth Him not, neither knoweth Him. But ye know Him, for He dwells with you and shall be in you. There's coming a day when the Spirit's going to dwell within you. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, and the Spirit descended upon the church, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And Peter said, this is that which was spoken of by the prophet Joel when he said, in the last days, saith the Lord, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And upon my servants and handmaidens will I pour out of my spirit in that day, saith the Lord. Moses could foresee how glorious that day would be. He didn't see the day. He could only conceive of how glorious that day would be. How glorious the church when all the people are walking in the Spirit. Man, how few the problems if we all just walked in the Spirit all the time. Wouldn't it be fabulous? If we all just walked in the Spirit of love in every situation at all times, we walked in the Spirit. And so Moses could foresee the advantage of such a thing. And he did not forbid them. Actually, <laughs> there are people who like to pattern God and to confine the way that God is going to work. You know, God only works in the sanctuary. God only works through ordained ministers. 
You've got to be ordained to serve communion. You've got to be ordained to baptize. Men like to make rules, but God likes to break man's rules. He likes to show that he isn't subject to man's rules. He can work however he wants, whenever he wants, through whomever he wants. And you don't have to be an anointed apostle or anything else to be used of God in a mighty work. Paul the Apostle was baptized by some guy by the name of Ananias, and whoever he was, we don't even know. He was just a member of the body of Christ in Damascus. And it was through him that hands, he laid his hands upon Paul that Paul might receive his sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit and baptized Paul, some unknown brother in the church in Damascus. Oh, but who authorized him to do that? Jesus Christ. <laughs> a lot of people, you know, are still like the Pharisees. Who gave you authority? They, they, they said that to John the Baptist, you know. Who gave you the authority to baptize? They said to Jesus, who gave you the authority to do these things? And they're still coming around today. Who gave you the authority? A bunch of Pharisees still existing. Because they'd like to confine it to their own little group. We're the only ones with real authority. But it's glorious to have the authority of the Lord. Same one who authorized Paul, the same one who authorized John, and the rest of them have authorized us. So there came forth a wind, and it started bringing in the quail about three feet high. The children of Israel went out and they began to knock these quail out of the air. Covey after covey after covey of quail flying in. And all day long, all night long, all the next day, they were batting these quail out of the air. Until those families that gathered the least amount had gathered about 850 gallons of quail. Killed them, plucked them, spread them out on the ground to dry and began to just indulge their flesh. And while the flesh was yet between their teeth, ere it was chewed, the wrath of the Lord was kindled against the people, and the Lord smote the people with a very great plague. And he called the name of the place Kibroth Hatava, because there he buried the people that lusted. Kibroth Hatava is the graves of lust. And how many people have been buried in the graves of lust? What an ugly sight it is. People giving themselves over to unbridled lust. The ugly sight in Israel as the people were giving themselves over to unbridled lust. Now this is what the scriptures spoke about in Psalms 103 where it speaks of the experience in the wilderness. He gave them the desire of their hearts but leanness of soul. They desired flesh. He gave them the flesh but there was a leanness in their experience. This is what Paul was referring to in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 when he said, These things all happened to them as examples unto us that we would learn not to lust after evil things, after the old life, after the things of Egypt. 
that we would not learn not to lust after the things of the life of bondage and sin. Now in chapter 12, Miriam, the sister of Moses, and Aaron began to murmur against Moses. He had taken an Ethiopian wife, which means that she was probably black-skinned, and they began to find fault and, and, and criticize Moses for this, his own sister and brother. And they said, Hath the Lord only spoken unto Moses? Hath he not spoken also unto us? Don't we have just as much right to speak the word of the Lord to these people as Moses has and all? And the Lord spake suddenly unto Moses and Aaron and unto Miriam, and he said, Come the three of you unto the tabernacle of the congregation. And the three came out, and the Lord came down in the pillar of the cloud and stood in the door of the tabernacle and called Aaron and Miriam. And they both came forth, and he said, Hear now my words. If there be a prophet among you, I, the Lord, will make myself known unto him in a vision and will speak unto him in a dream. God, who at sundry times and in divers manners spake to the fathers by the prophets, and God spoke to the prophets as a rule by visions or by dreams. But God said concerning Moses, My servant Moses is not so who is faithful in all mine house. With him will I speak mouth to mouth, even apparently, and not in dark speeches and not in the similitudes of the Lord shall he behold. Wherefore, then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? Now here they were speaking against the man that God had anointed and the man that God had called. God's servant. Now God said, look, with prophets, if a man is a prophet, I usually speak by visions or dreams, in similitudes, in dark sayings in forms that oftentimes need interpreting. But with Moses, plainly, face to face, apparent, direct speaking with Moses. And inasmuch as I have spoken to Moses this way, how is it that you were not fearful to speak against him? In other words, they should have respected his position as God's servant and the anointing of God that was upon his life. One thing about David is that he had a high respect for the anointing of God that had been upon Saul, even after the anointing had left Saul. The fact that he had once been anointed, David wouldn't touch him. He had a high regard and respect for the anointing of God. And I think that God appreciates our having a high respect for his anointing. And so because of the sin of Miriam and Aaron, they were smitten with leprosy. Miriam became leprous, white as snow. Aaron looked upon Miriam, and behold, she was leprous. And Aaron said unto Moses, Alas, my Lord, I beseech thee, lay not the sin upon us wherein we have done foolishly and wherein we have sinned. Let her not be as one dead of whom the flesh is half consumed when he comes out of his mother's womb. And Moses cried unto the Lord, saying, Heal her now, O God, I beseech thee. So his sister became leprous. Aaron, of course, the high priest, recognized it immediately. 
pleaded with Moses, and Moses in turn pleaded with God, O oh God, heal her, I beseech thee. And the Lord said unto Moses, Under the law of her father had spit in her face, she'd be unclean for seven days. So should she not, because of what she's done, be unclean for at least seven days? Let her go out of the camp, and in seven days go through the purifying, and she can come back in. And so Miriam was ostracized from the camp for seven days. And while the period of this ostracizing was taking place, they, they did not move. They stayed in that same area uh, there at Hezeroth. Now in chapter 13, we get the story now as they've come to Kadesh Barnea and they are now on the border ready to enter into the promised land. They had been about two years, a little over two years now in the wilderness. Now they've come to the place of entering in and possessing the land that God had promised to them. We'll return with more of our verse-by-verse Bible study in the book of Numbers on our next broadcast as Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible. And we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order Numbers 11 through 13 when visiting thewordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's thewordfortoday.org. For those of you wishing to call, our toll-free number is 1-800-272-WORD. And our office hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Again, that's 1-800-272-9673. If you prefer to write, our mailing address is The Word for Today, P.O. Box 8000, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And now, on behalf of The Word for Today, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and financial support. And be sure to join us again next time as Pastor Chuck continues his verse-by-verse study through the Bible. That's right here on the next edition of The Word for Today. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck. May the Lord fill your heart with praise and thanksgiving through the week that you might know God's work and God's victory in your life. May God help you to bring things into their proper perspective and the proper priorities that you might seek first the kingdom of God, His righteousness, and that you might realize the power and the glory of the God that you serve in order that you might see His work in your life in a very real and beautiful way. In Jesus' name. This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. For years, Pastor Chuck was asked thousands of questions. This new guy that my mom married, he thinks that the Christian beliefs are foolish, and I was wondering if that's going to like affect my mom's walk. I'm a Christian. I'm trying to fight the addiction of smoking, and are those things going to keep me from going in the rapture? Is it okay to use your tithe and give it to someone who's going on a mission trip instead of giving it directly to church? 
The Word for Today is pleased to present an ebook called Biblical Counseling by Chuck Smith, listing over 200 topics that include Pastor Chuck's commentary and the scripture references he used. Topics include addiction, business relationships, depression, lawsuits, sexuality, training children, and so much more. To download the Biblical Counseling ebook by Chuck Smith, visit thewordfortoday.org and click on the link provided. Or you can call 1-800-272-9673.